0: So I uh, yesterday uh, one of my nephews got married, and uh, I got to perform the ceremony, which was which was great. It was really kind of fun and just great. Kind of a real great honor. Um, Austin, my nephew Austin, is a real good kid. He's uh, 28, and uh, so is Christina, his brand new wife. Uh, it was kind of cute. They've known each other since they were in kindergarten. Um, they went to, you know, kindergarten and then eight eight years of uh, like uh, grade school together. So lots of lots of pictures of them really really young, which is kind of unusual. And now they're now they're getting married. I guess they uh, were friends on and off over the years. And about four years ago, they uh, started dating. Um, they're both from Delaware. And. Uh, which is where the wedding was. Austin um, is a very big uh, Met fan. Uh, I'd say he's sort of obsessed with the Mets. Uh, it comes from his father, my brother, um, us guys being from up here. Um, all of his kids are, all his boys are Met fans even though they live in Philly country in uh, Wilmington. Christina uh isn't really really isn't into sports at all. Or at least really wasn't. She's big into the arts, really. She's a great, great singer, has a great voice, uh, theater, dance, music. In some respects, like the opposite of Austin. Um Austin, I would say, is not too talented in in, in those areas. Uh she's a good athlete and just loves outdoor stuff, surfing and fishing, and um, it was kind of cute. They uh, at the uh, rehearsal. I mean, at the uh, the best man, who's Austin's brother, my one of my other nephews. He was giving the toast and he was commenting on, you know, uh, Christina joining the family and. Austin's kind of obsession with the Mets, and you know, like I don't know if you know, like when, when Catholic, when a Catholic, in, the, in seeking to marry in a, a non-Catholic, and they want to get, have a church wedding, um, you do a dispensation to marry a, a non-Catholic, but the Catholic parent, the promise, you have to promise that you'll raise the kids Catholic, right? So my nephew was claiming that. Um, he made Christina promise to raise the kids Met fans instead of uh, Philly fans. So anyway, it was a lot of this back and forth and the Phillies had a bad week. They didn't make the World Series. So, and again, we were in, you know, kind of enemy territory down there. So it was all kind of fun and cute. Um, Kind of interesting with uh, Christina, the bride, the last couple of years, She's actually become like a Mets fan. Um, she really does like the Mets. Not, nothing like her husband. She'll never be as crazy as he is. But I'd say she like legitimately does. She's not just humoring him. Um, five years ago, I don't even think she liked baseball. And now she, uh, she kind of does really like the Mets. I was listening to her when they were talking. Like She was entering. She's kind of dialed in with the team and what's going on or what past season. On one level, that's surprising because she really wasn't into sports and that wasn't really a a part of her youth. But on another level, I don't think I should be surprised because that happens a lot, this particular kind of dynamic And it's this, I think. When you love a person, very often you come to love what they love because you love them. I'm not saying always in all all cases. Hey, there are some very happily married couples and like he loves golf and she doesn't. And never will. I'm not saying this is a, like a foolproof theory. Sometimes it becomes, yeah, it becomes the opportunity, the differences for like, you know, healthy independence. <clears throat> we don't have to do everything together. We don't have to love everything equally. But I think there is something to this. Call it a principle. When you love a person... You come to love what they love. I remember when I was uh, when, one of my, when my grandmother died this was um, years ago I was about 11 I think and I remember being at the funeral we were out in uh, Northport St. Philip Neary and uh, I remember sitting in the pew I was right behind my My uncle, my uncle Jimmy, and uh, I remember him coming back from communion and he was crying. And I was struck by that. You might be like, well, why? It was a funeral. People cry at funerals. I know, I know. But um, he was my grandmother's son-in-law. They were grandmother-in-law. They were mother-in-law and son-in-law. And I remember kind of just being, as an 11-year-old, I guess kind of naive, surprised that he was upset, that he looked as sad as my father looked, one of the sons of the deceased. It wasn't his mother. It wasn't his grandmother. So why was Uncle Jimmy crying? I remember kinda like being just more curious than anything. It wasn't like I was racking my brain over this, but I was like struck by that. I also remember this. I remember loving him all the more because I saw him crying about my grandmother. As an adult now, I, I, I see it differently. I think I, I, I think I see it as an adult. I don't interpret that the way I did as an 11-year-old. I see it, well, one, one is very practically, my grandmother was objectively like a lovely person. She was easy to love. So he was sad at her loss, his loss. It's a part of it, and it's maybe just that. But I think there was another reason. I suspect there was another reason. My uncle came to love his mother-in-law because he loved his wife. He loved my aunt, who was the daughter of the deceased. He loved his wife, so he came to love the people that she loved. Equally, exactly the same way? Probably not, but I think that's what happens, not just with the Mets or music or hobbies It also happens with more important things, like people. He loved who she loved. I think this is kind of an important concept, because let's look now at this gospel. I think Jesus is sort of playing out this concept in this gospel. So Jesus, what's the most important commandment? There were like 600 of them. Which one is he gonna pick? They didn't even care what he said. All they were looking to do was get him. So if he picks this commandment, how about the other 599? They just wanna trip him up. Their intentions are the worst. He knows all of that. So he says this, here's the rule. Love God. Heart, soul, mind. In other words, love God with everything you got. But then he adds this second piece. Like, all they asked for was one. It could have just, could have been that one. End of conversation. Yeah, they would have gone off and tried to get him, But they ask, what's the most important? He could have given that one. But then he comes up with the second one. They didn't ask for a second one. He starts talking about neighbor. God and neighbor. So there's not just one. There's two. These two cover everything. Why did he throw in the neighbor one? Because God loves everything He makes. God loves everyone He makes. So let's go back to that little principle thing. If we love God, then we're going to love what he loves, <laughs> which is everybody. Or at least that's what we're called to. I think most of us look at it as like, you know, all right, you know, in theory, nice, but you know, not, not terribly realistic to love everybody. I mean, okay, God loves everyone because he's the author of everyone. That means we gotta, we've got to now try and do that? Yes, that's exactly what it means. It's exactly what we're being called to. Okay, yeah, we love God, we get that, but now we've got to love all that God loves. It's like Christina and Austin and the Mets. It's Uncle Jimmy and Aunt Franny and my grandmother. So, let me ask you this. Who would you say is the most difficult person you know? Who's the most obnoxious, hard to stomach person in your life. Come up with somebody. God loves that person. Wait a minute, let me tell you about this person. No, you don't have to tell me about this person. God loves that person. It's not my opinion, it's not how I feel, it's fact. It's God fact. Our love is conditional most of the time. We do stop loving people. God doesn't. God never stops loving. So take the worst of the worst. God loves that that person. So what's the challenge for us. If we love the things that the person we love loves, sounds a little confusing, but if that's true, then we've got a responsibility with that person, those people. And he gets a little bit more specific. You get a little bit in the first reading, he's talking about aliens and orphans and widows, in other words, like underdogs, the people who are the weakest, the most vulnerable, the most rejected. He's kind of got like a special place in his heart for them. Like, they, in God's mind, they kind of go to the front of the line. So there it is, I think, for us like what's the greatest commandment? Put God first. Yes. Love God before all else. Yes. We're not always good at that but we kind of think most of us say yeah that is the way to go. There's other things to be committed to and passionate about. Power and wealth and pleasure and family and country and all good things. But we know, like, yeah, but they're not, they can't be the most. They're not most. And if they are, well, there's a there's a challenge right there. Okay, yeah, I, I don't know. Making money is more important to me than God. Okay, well, that's what I have to go after because that's not okay. You know, being comfortable is more important to me than God. All right, maybe that's where I am at right now. And maybe... I'm not going to correct that today or tomorrow, but there's the goal, pursuit of recognition, career interests, the need for accepted, you know, lots of things out there, they shouldn't be rejected, they just shouldn't be number one, so if they are, there's a challenge i got to rearrange the order of stuff. Easier said than done, but that's what we've got to try to do. So move the pieces around so that God is at the top. We love him first, him most. And if we do that, then that means we need to love the ones that he loves the most, or that he loves. So whoever that person was what I asked you about, like the one who's toughest in your life, There's our homework for the week.